Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I don't ever want to be the, the group that's bashing in a negative way because, again, when I look at the Gospels, Jesus would go to the most messed up groups and minister to them the truth. Uh, recognize that they need him. I, I can't lose that part. Um, sometimes the world can fight against the church on an issue so strong that we start fighting against them and forget that we're supposed to be walking in this kind of love. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be fighting the prayer. I'm supposed to be bringing the gospel, bringing the truth and love to people. You hear a lot about council culture lately. It seems like some people constantly look for reasons to lash out because they feel offended about something. But as you learn today, People who follow Jesus shouldn't respond the same way. Pastor Bill reminds you to recognize that they need Jesus and fight for them in prayer. He encourages you to follow the example of Jesus and reach out to people who are far from him. Please be aware that some of this content of this teaching may not be suitable for children. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Next to losing a child, it looks like the most painful thing that I've seen people go through. Uh, I've seen people lose a child, that's number one. But when I've seen someone suffer through adultery, a husband whose wife cheated, a wife whose husband cheated, and you look at the pain that they're going through, it's, it's horrible. And so God says, don't do that. That's, that's not what I want for you. If you're single, get married. If you're married, you have sex with the person you married. If they won't let you, wait. But that's it. You know, there, there's no other option. There's no alternative that will glorify God afterwards. So God says, don't don't do that. Um, if you're writing notes, write down Proverbs chapter six, verse thirty two and thirty three. And I'll read it to you real quick. Proverbs chapter six, verse thirty two and thirty three says this. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach will not be wiped away. And it goes on to speak about the jealousy of a husband in a day of vengeance and how you get paid back and all that stuff. But God says, look, it's just not a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's a sin. So, and again, it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, the statistics for adultery in the world are one thing. It, it's not a whole lot better in the church. It should be. It should be radically different within the church of Jesus Christ. Um, now I, I realize when I look at those different polls and those different, um, I don't know how many of those people that profess Christ are really Christian. So I don't know how accurate the numbers are, but I'm speaking to us that are blessed to be married. Um, protect your marriage. Don't, don't let the enemy in. Don't, don't, don't entertain the idea of another person. You got what you got. Work with it. Be, be a blessing in your marriage that you have. And so, um, here again, God said they would be stoned to death. This is why it's interesting in John 8, I believe it is, when they caught the woman, it says in the very act of adultery, but they only brought the woman. Now, they got they caught her in the very act. That means he was there too, but they didn't bring him. They just brought her. And that's why many people believe that, they, some people believe there may have even been one of the Pharisees. There may have been something that they set this woman up to see what Jesus would do with her. Um, but either in either case, they should have both been brought forth. But they just brought her. And um, we saw how Jesus ministered to her. He told her, go and sin no more. He said, where are you? After he got down and wrote in the dirt, wrote in the sand, 
And all those people, their stones from the oldest to the youngest start dropping their rocks and, and, and taking away. Some people think Jesus wrote their particular, some people think we don't know what he wrote. Some people think Jesus may have wrote their name and start writing their sin. If, if Jesus wrote your name and start writing your sin, you'll start stepping too. You'll be like, I'm gone. Never mind. I, I forgive her. You know, we don't know what he wrote in the sand, but whatever he wrote, they start leaving one by one. And she was just left there with Jesus. And he said, hey, where are your accusers? Oh, they're all gone. It's a good. Neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. He told her, go and sin no more. What was the word? Stop it. You need to repent. You've forgiven, but don't go do that mess again. Go and sin no more, what he told her. So um, back to our story here. Back in this time, you would die for it. And once again, everything that there was capital punishment for, even though today there's not capital punishment for the same thing, right? I, I still got to understand that not all sin is equal in God's sight. I, I, I don't like to hear people say all sin is the same before God. That's a lie. It's not all the same. Now, all sin unrepented of will send you to hell, but not all sin is the same. If one sin, God says you'll die for that. And another sin, God says you got to stay out of fellowship for a week. Them sound like different things to me. If, if not being able to go to temple for a week or stone with stone, I think this is a worse thing in God's eyes. And so, there are things that God said, this is, this is, this is such a bad thing that in this era, I would rather you be dead so that it doesn't take on, it doesn't become the, the norm among my people. And even though now we live under a different era, we live under the era of grace and we live under the New Testament and no one's going to die outright. We're not going to stone others for doing these things. I got to still remember that that's how God feels about it though. It, 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 he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He haven't changed. He may have changed how we deal with it, but God is the same yesterday. And if he said back here, you should die for it, then I need to understand that today, God feel pretty strongly about that. That's not something I want to be picking up. That's not something I want to be as, have as a part of my behavior as someone that desires to glorify God with his life. Amen? And so moving on now, it says in verse 11, the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And so again, um, a man has sex with his father's wife. It's obviously a stepmother or would have said had sex with his mother. Um, if someone has sex with their stepmom, God says they should be put to death. This is the very scenario in 1 Corinthians 5 that they were boasting that there was a young man in the fellowship that was having sex with his father's wife. And the Corinthian church thought they were doing a good thing by letting him hang out. Um, they were, they were boasting in their graciousness and God said, no, put him out, deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul might be saved. And they had to boot him out of the church. And after he got kicked out of the church and just, you know, excommunicated out of fellowship, he did repent. And in the letter of second Corinthians, God said, now have him come back, have him come on back. He's repented. Now you guys receive him back. At least he'd be overcome by sorrow. And they had him receive him back into the fellowship. So verse 11, verse 12 now, it says, if a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood shall be upon them. And so again, he's reiterating some of the sexual commandments he gave in chapter uh, 18. But now he's saying this is the penalty for him. If you go ahead and commit that sin that I said don't do, you're going to die for it. Verse 13, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, I told you guys, we haven't heard abomination yet. Like God said, you're going to die for that. You curse your parents, die for that. Sex with your mama, your stepmama, die for that. Man sleeping with a man as with a woman. Guys, that's an abomination. 
I just want to point out because in our culture right now, it's a, this, is, this is the hot topic. This is the thing that you, you just, you know, you become a bigot or a hateful person if you speak against it. Um, so what's God's heart on homosexuality? It is a form of perversion. It is a sin. It'll be always wrong 100% of the time. It's not God's will. It's perversion. God created man and woman. God gave man and woman everything that they needed physiologically to be able to come together and, and procreate, experience marital pleasure and all that good stuff. God didn't intend for a man and a man or a woman and a woman to come together in that way. It's a form of perversion that in a perverse world, it's, it's become a popular thing right now. Um, in the high schools, it's promoted. Um, your kids that are in public school right now, if if your kids, they could get more um, encouragement to behave in this lifestyle than a lot of other positive things. They'll be told that you're, you're so brave for just for to coming forth and letting people know you're so brave, you're so strong. And, and there's a there's a, a whole support system for them to behave in this way. They're being encouraged in sex education classes and public school to, to, to investigate these things. Maybe you are gay. Maybe, maybe you, you should just see. It's okay. It's just the same as the other. In little kids' books in public school, they're trying to introduce and make it normal where, you know, Tommy has two mommies or, you know, Tommy has two dads and it's in a little kids' book and they look all innocent. He's got, he's got Harry and Jack. <laughs> that's this family, you know, and they're promoting this to our kids. We got to be careful. We live in a culture right now that's shoving it down our throat. I don't say that we become the group that's out there yelling hateful speech because they make God look bad. They're a misrepresentation of God's heart. So we're not that group. We're not that say God hates gays or whatever because he doesn't. He loves them. He died for them. He bled for them. He would forgive them, receive them, have them be his own. But I'm also not going to be over here saying that God said it's okay. You know, because now it's okay with the culture that, you know what, God think God is okay with it. He's not okay with it. He ain't never been okay with it. He wasn't okay with it back here. He's not okay with it now. It's always been a form of perversion. It'll always be a form of perversion. God's not changed his mind about what he made man and woman for. So here God says it's an abomination. If a man lie down with a man as another man, I mean, God says it's, it's an, it's, it's, he has committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So... What, you know, and I just want to say this. What, what did you do for maybe you got friends or family or people that are gay as it's more and more popular, more and more prevalent in our culture? Like, what do you do? Uh, it's kind of an awkward thing. You know, what do you say? Um, how do you engage them? What, what do you tell them? Um, I believe that we share the gospel. Like if I were talking to a couple friends of mine that were that were they're, they're not Christians and they sleep with their girlfriends because they're not Christians. I'm sharing the gospel. I'm not really talking to them about what they, the fact that they sleep with someone that they're not married to. It's just a, it's a, it's one of the effects of the fact that they don't belong to the Lord. They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when you get saved, God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So I wouldn't, my approach to a homosexual wouldn't be, you know, your homosexuality is a sin going to send you to hell. My approach would be the gospel. Can I tell you what Jesus did for you? Can I tell you the good news? Can I share with you what Jesus did? Now, in the course of that, what may come up when I know I've spoken to someone and they're like, well, if I give my life to the Lord, um, do I have to change this? Yeah. You got, I mean, if you give your life to the Lord, there's a lot of things God's going to start speaking to you to change. You, you, you know, someone's living together, living in sin. Um, do I get to continue to do this? No, no. God will call you to repent of that. If you're gay and you live, God will call you to repent of that too. But your primary need is that you would come to Christ. 
that's how we would minister to them. Hopefully we can do it in a loving way um, and have a heart for them. I, I don't ever want to be the, the group that's bashing in a negative way because, again, when I look at the Gospels, Jesus would go to the most messed up groups and minister to them the truth. Uh, recognize that they need him. I, I can't lose that heart. Um, sometimes the world can fight against the church on an issue so strong that we start fighting against them and forget that we're supposed to be walking in this kind of love. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be fighting with prayer. I'm supposed to be bringing the gospel, bringing the truth and love to people. So I got to be careful that I don't meet them where they met me at. That if they started up here, you know, bashing the church, I don't come back bashing them back. Um, but that I meet them where they're at. But when it comes to the particular sin, it's a sin. God's not going to change. There's, if it engulfs our entire world, it'll still be wrong. And so the world can't dictate to us what's right or wrong in that regard. God does. So moving on, verse 14. If a man marries a woman and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burned with fire. Both he and they that there may be no wickedness among you. So if a man marries a woman and his mother, I mean, to set a woman and her mom and to make them adversary is a horrible thing. God said, you know what? <laughs> now, listen, some people getting stoned, some people being cut off. He said, burn them with fire. Who wants to die like that? Who wants to get burned with fire? Then enter into another realm where you're going to burn for the rest of eternity. God said, burn them with fire. He doesn't say kill them first. He said, burn them up for that. Man marries a mother and her daughter. Burn them with fire. Um, that tells me that God feels pretty strongly about that. I think that'd be a deterrent. You know, if some guy was liking a mom, I don't know who even would do that. But if someone was tempted to do so, God says, you're going you, to burn. You're going to burn on your way to burn for doing that. So, so that, that, that will put that to rest. Verse 15. I, this, I'm sorry it's here, but it's there. If a man mates with an animal, he shall surely be put to death and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and mates with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. This is called bestiality, another form of sexual perversion where people engage animals. It's a sick thing. Obviously, God said, I don't, I don't want to kill the person and the animal. That animal got to go too. Now, I, I, the poor animal, you know, what did he do or she do or whatever? But God said, kill them both. That animal is, now the animal's messed up. He'd be running around looking for things he shouldn't be looking for. God said, kill the person, kill the animal, put that stuff to rest. Don't want it to be, pervade my culture and my people. Verse 17, if a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, uh, so that'd be probably his stepsister or his mother's daughter and sees her nakedness and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness he shall bear his guilt. And so that's speaking of, uh, again, this may be scenarios where there's people that have married someone else that has kids and God said, don't, don't, don't uncovering their nakedness is in a sexual way. It's not just that you saw them. It's uncovering their nakedness. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's with the idea of them desiring to be together sexually. God said they should be cut off in the sight of their people. So they're going to be cut off. I told you guys before that when they say they got to be cut off from their people, it's most likely that they got to die because that's how you get cut off. That That's how once you die, now you've been cut off. You don't get to go back. And God said, I want you to do it in front of everybody. They're going to be cut off in the sight of all their people, that it would be an example for everybody else. 
um, that there wouldn't be that, that sort of thing going on. He shall bear his guilt. Verse 18. If a man lies with a woman during her sickness, this speaking of her menstrual cycle, and uncovers her nakedness, he has exposed her flow, and she has uncovered the flow of her blood. Both of them shall be cut off from their people. So um, God's saying, don't do not do that. Interesting, earlier, um, God had given in Leviticus, he had given, um, should that happen, God had given them instructions on a period of time they would be considered unclean and they had to wash. Then they can come back into fellowship here. He said they'll be cut off from their people. Verse 19, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, nor your father's sister. Um, that for that would uncover his near of kin. They shall bear their guilt. Um, and so now this is speaking of an aunt, your mother's sister, or your father's sister. And it said they shall bear their guilt um, in a later verse. Where God says that they'll bear their guilt, he says that they're going to die childless. And I thought that was interesting because, one, you're going to bear your guilt. It's going to be on you. There's going to be some ramification. It's not death in this instance. But if you die childless, it doesn't necessarily say that they didn't have children when they did it. But you're going to die childless. So you could have kids where you're going to die without any kids. Their kids are going to precede you in death. Or you're going to die childless, not going to be able to have kids. Um, look at verse 20. If a man lies with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They shall bear their sin. And this is where it adds, they shall die childless. And so once again, the only, there's two ways you die childless. Either you never have children, you die without children, or you had children and they precede you in death, but you die without children. This is the penalty for these sins um, in this section right here. Verse 21, if a man takes his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. So someone takes his brother's wife. Now, if a brother died, the next brother in line, it was it was if he was not married, he had to marry his brother's wife. So if, if there's a, a husband and wife and the brother, the, the man dies, but he's got a brother and they died without her having kids, then the brother, the next brother in line had to marry her. And the first child they have would be. It'd be like his brother's kid to keep his brother's name going on. It was a, a Leverite marriage. Um, so in that case, it was okay. But otherwise, while they're still living, a man is not supposed to be with his brother's wife. Um, that's the sin that they're speaking of right here. They will die childless. Verse 22. You should therefore, and I, I want to point this out too. Is if, if God is able to say who's going to die childless, it should be a reminder to us that the blessing of children that that comes from the Lord, that God has a hand in that. God says, you do that stuff right there, you're going to die childless. That that he has a hand in, in, in that blessing. And so um, he also has a hand in, in, in this sense, people would be punished in that they would be dying without children. And so verse 22, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them that the land where I am bringing you to dwell may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nations which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. So the idea here, God is saying, look, I, I don't want the land to vomit you out. Um, I want you guys to enter into the land that I'm giving you. I want it to be blessed. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to get there and just enjoy my blessing in the land. But if you, if you start messing around like the cultures around you, God says the land is going to vomit you out. And just think about that. When you think about, about vomiting something, 
Um, and I, I don't want to gross you out or anything like that, but it's, it's usually because your, your, your body is sick and it can't take it. And your body vomits it out. Just, it's got to get out. And God says the land will vomit you guys out. If you go in there and start behaving like that. What is the lesson for you and for me? Um, I believe this, that God has called believers to live a certain way. Um, there's obviously things that we can do. The penalty may not be the same right now. But I'm, I'm learning as I study Leviticus, I'm learning God's heart. There are things that God said, I don't want that. I don't want that kind of mess. I, I mean, I look at all the sexual sin that pervades our culture and God said, I don't want that. Please don't be like that. I command you not to be like that. I, I don't want my people to behave in that way. I want my people to be set apart. We should be so different. It should be so easy for us to stand out as different with the world being as wicked as it is. It should, you should just stand out. Anybody that, you know, you meet a couple that's been married for a long time. Would you guys Christians? You guys don't, you know, like what, it should just, you should start standing out. Some of your kids, your kids that behave a certain way and people see your kids and just stick out. Something different. Our lives should really stand in contrast to the world around us. Um, we shouldn't look just like it. I'm not saying there's a Christian look. There's not like a Christian, you know, outfit. You know, wear the outfit. You Christian, huh? I see you got the Christian jeans and a Christian t-shirt and you got the Christian hat, you know. They're not a Christian outfit, but I'm just saying your character, your behavior, your life, your belief system, the impact, what you do on a regular, it really should set us apart. That, that there's something different about you. It should impact your work ethic for people that go to work. It should impact the way that you speak, the things you speak about, the places you go, the things you won't go, the things you participate in, and the things that you don't participate in. It should just set you apart. Um, and so God said, I want you to be a people set apart from me. That's my desire. I want you to be, I want to have something special with you. Anybody here has a marriage, it's the same thing. Anybody that's married, you got someone that you got something special with them. Um, it's just between you and them, special, not for everybody else. God says, that's what I want with you guys. I want something special. My own special people set apart for me. And again, it, it, it just should look different. And so God doesn't want them to walk in the statutes of the nation. So verse 23, he said, when he said, don't walk in the statutes of the nation, which I'm casting out before you. The idea of walking is um, it's a it's a manner of life. God said the world has a they got their custom. They got their way of living. They got their code of ethics. God said, don't walk like them. I, I, your manner of life should just be different. Uh, the world today has a code of ethics that we just can't live by. Um, wouldn't be fitting for us as children of God. And so what God desires, again, is our separation to him for his glory, for our benefit. Verse 24. But I have said to you, you shall inherit the land and I will give it to you to possess. I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord, your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore distinguish between clean animals and unclean, between unclean birds and clean. And you shall not make yourselves abominable by beast or by bird or by any kind of living thing that creeps on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. So they're to be separated in what they eat uh, for the, the, the people at this time. Verse 26, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or who has a familiar spirit shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. And so he says all these rules. He gives out all the repercussions, all the discipline. This is what will happen if you do these things. Now, this is the thing. Does God warn them because he wants them to suffer the consequences? I don't think he does. I don't think God is saying, if you do this, I'll stone you. 
if you do this, I'll burn you. You know, I don't think God is rubbing his, his God hands together looking for an opportunity to, to cast this kind of judgment on people. But I think God knows his people. And he knows that even though you're not supposed to, you're going to get there and you're going to see what everybody else is doing. And you're going to want to do it. This is got to be so careful about this because we live in a world where we can see everybody else doing stuff. And God said, but I didn't call you to do it. I know everybody else. It looks like the whole world is doing that. But God said, but I called you to be different. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel Him, even when you don't understand Him, He is near and He is for you. His grace is endless and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.